before you're seated, before you're seated for one moment here. Y'all, like, you know, there's assignments and to be very forthright here, it, places you go to, you have an assignment and, and it's an engagement. It's, it's divinely ordained and we get that. And then there are assignments where you meet people and you go like, I like them. And then after you, you, like, you spend more time with them, you go like, I really like them. And then you go like, but I think I'm gonna love these people. Your pastors, y'all don't, I, don't, I know you, it's not like, you know, your apology things, you, no. Y'all happen to have the best pastors on the planet. Can you give it up, please? Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Angie. You guys, in the words of that, oh, in the words of that former worship leader, Tina Turner, you're simply the best. Simply. Sorry, too soon. Maybe we should wait a couple more months for that. Anyway, um, one more thing before you're seated. I want to thank you for your, your team having the forthright to, and just having the vision. <clears throat> the person who picked me up yesterday, the only Hispanic person in your church. Help me up here for Pastor Ellie here. His amazing wife. So great. Slightly racist, but so great. Thank you so very much. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to get right into the word here. Are there any questions? Okay. I'm honored to be here. I want to, I'm, going to, I'm going to share with you. We are officially living in a different time as it pertains to how to best attach descriptors and nomenclatures to define our current reality in both time and space in this beautiful continuum of our human existence. What do we describe this time? Officially, if you Google it, we are now officially living in the cuckoo for Cocoa Puff season. Every single time you think things can't get crazier, they get Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. There is a biblical passage that resonates in my spirit. It is a mandate from heaven for yours truly to just release this wherever I go, especially when I arrive at a church for the first time. Because we're living, spiritually speaking, just like the days of Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal. We are. But this is not a doom and gloom message. I'm in this church because I truly believe we're about to see a generation of Elijah and Elisha rise up in the name of Jesus. Who will shift the atmosphere towards righteousness and justice, truth and love. To a great degree, you know the story, you have this iconic prophet wearing a mantle. So he had merch. He wore the mantle. He was everywhere doing his thing. He was the iconic, legendary, Old Testament prophet, the OG. Jesus even cross-referenced him. Amazing. This man confronts moral relativism, cultural decadence, spiritual apathy, ecclesiastical lukewarmness. He confronts social constructs and ideologies that were counterintuitive to the word of God. All of a sudden, having his hashtag, best day ever, right after that, this woman who was evil, she was just evil. Her name was Jezebel. She sends out a message, which today would be a tweet. Jezebel tweeted. Are there any questions? That, no, it really happened. First Kings 19.2. She literally said, and I'm reading verbatim, may the God strike me and kill me. If by this time tomorrow I haven't killed you. She, she sent out a message to the prophet. The number one voice 
from heaven on the planet for his generation, Jezebel comes along and says, in 24 hours, I swear by my gods, you will die. She prophesied. <laughs> Sounded like a prophecy. You got to juxtapose 1 Kings 19.2 with 2 Kings 2.11. As they were walking along, referencing Elijah and Elisha, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared. Drawn by horses of fire, it drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried into a whirlwind into heaven. I want to speak to you on the subject matter. Jezebel's tweet, when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. We're going to do this just maybe one time, two times today. Touch the neighbor you like the most and tell him when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. Now touch the neighbor you barely tolerate and tell that neighbor... When heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. Hell cannot stop it. I talked to you about the fact that Elijah had a mantle. That mantle was the primary descriptor. It's what identified, separated him, distinguished him, marked him as the iconic prophet of his generation. The mantle. We all have a mantle. Every single person here, we have spiritual authority. We have a mantle. We have an infusion from heaven. But we just don't wear it. It's not a physical coat. Praise be God. It's not just on us. Our spiritual authority lives inside of us. You have received the anointing, 1 John 2, 27, who is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And we are about to see people with mantles rise up as societal architects and cultural reformers. And we're about to shift this nation towards righteousness and justice, truth and love in the mighty name of Jesus. Near this, if you're taking any notes, and good luck with that. The mantle that we have is the mantle of the Spirit. Somebody say the mantle of the Spirit. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. He ran all the way, 1 Kings 18, 46. He had that mantle. Again, that mantle juxtaposing it to what Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal represented. Who was Ahab? Ahab was the king of Israel. He was what we call in California a mucho malo hombre. Ahab. The spirit of Ahab, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listen carefully. The spirit of Ahab is alive and well. It's alive and well, robbing love, killing joy, and destroying peace. Spiritually speaking, Ahab represents forces with access and authority that attempt us to sacrifice truth on the altar of political and cultural expediency. In 1 Kings 16.34, Ahab was the only king who had the audacity to give permission to rebuild the walls of Jericho. I'll repeat that. No other king ever attempted to rebuild what God brought down. Ahab was so wicked, he came along and said, let's rebuild what God brought down. That's happening in America right now as we speak. That spirit of Ahab is trying to rebuild walls that God already brought down. Walls that separate us via the conduit of the color of our skin, our pigmentation, gender, even politics. There is this um, amazing attempt by Ahab to just alienate us and divide us in perpetuity, perpetual fragmentation. Even in the church. Why? Because if we are divided, we can't accomplish. We can't advance the kingdom of heaven. So with that being said, this, this may be... Mm, not a popular message and I may not get invited back which is okay I live in California I go through a lot more so there it is I just want to remind you for that Ahab spirit trying to divide us in perpetuity I want to remind you there is no such thing as a white church a black church a brown church a yellow church or a red church 
There's only one church. It is the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, cannot ever prevail against the church. Jezebel was his wife and she was nasty on steroids. The spirit of Jezebel is alive and well, persecuting, prosecuting, and attempting to silence the children of the cross. Jezebel represents the manipulative, sexually coercive, perverse, corrupt cultural spirit with all intentionality to kill prophetic voices, to construct Asherah poles in order to marginalize the oracles of righteousness and justice. A spirit that according to the book of Revelation 2.20, even good Christians may be guilty of unfortunately tolerating. For this one thing I have against you, you have tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Baal is alive and well, demanding that truth and children in and out of the womb be sacrificed on the altar of the false. I'm going to say this, and I'm passionate about this. I'm living it in California. There is a spirit coming after our children and our children's children. I'm going to say that one more time. There is a spirit like never before hell released all the krakens to come after our children. There is something coming after our children. No conspiracy theory, no hyperbole. Baal is coming after our children. We need Elijah's and Elijah's to rise up. We don't need more kumbaya or comfortable Christianity. I might get in trouble, but we need to take a minute away from preaching about the blessing and the breakthrough. And with spiritual authority, we need to rise up and rebuke every devil and tell Satan, get your hands off our children. I'm going to do that one more time. Get your hands off our children in the name of Nevertheless, here's a deep seminary endorsed biblically contextualized Hebrew exaggerated phrase. It's the phrase that says the following. Here it is. All the years of seminary for this, don't drink the Kool-Aid. What does that mean? Let me calm down here for a moment. I don't care what you're reading on Facebook, Instagram, X, it should be Twitter, threads, YouTube, what you watch on ABC, NBC, CBS. We don't discriminate here. Univision y Telemundo. I don't care what you watch on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you down of OPP. I don't care what you're watching. I don't care. The most powerful spirit in Louisiana and in America and on this planet today is not Ahab. The most powerful spirit on the planet is not Jezebel. The most powerful spirit on the planet is not the spirit of Baal. The most powerful spirit in 2023 is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. If you believe it, praise like you have that spirit. If you believe it, shout like you have that spirit. If you believe it, pray like you have that spirit. Live like you have that spirit. Forgive like you have that spirit. Act like you have that spirit. Love like you have that spirit. It is not by might nor by power, but by my Zechariah 4, 6, where that spirit is present, there is freedom. I said there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, there is power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are to be driven by the spirit, not by the flesh. Galatians 5, 16. We are to be filled with that spirit, not drunk with wine. Ephesians 5, 18. 
We are defined by that spirit. The same identical spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, Romans 8, 11. We are about to see more people come to Jesus than ever before. Because that spirit is still moving. Oh, are there any questions? Number two, it is the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. Somebody repeat after me, drought, fire, and rain. In 1 Kings 17 and 18, he, had, he carried that mantle when he unleashed the drought, 1 Kings 17, 1. When he prayed down fire, 1 Kings 18, 38. When he proclaimed, here comes the rain, 1 Kings 18, 41. Drought, fire, and rain. It serves as a rubric of what we go through in life. I don't want to be presumptuous if you've been through at least one drought in your life. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, health-wise, be it in your career, in your calling, with your children. If you've been through at least one drought in your life, a difficult season, things were not growing. It was challenging, raise one hand. One drought. If you've been through a couple of droughts in your, mind, in your life, raise both hands. If you've, been through a, if you've been through so many droughts you've lost, be honest, to count. <laughs> raise both hands and a foot. If you've been through so many droughts, if I Google the word drought right now, the algorithm will automatically take me to your Instagram account. <laughs> We've all been through droughts. Don't tell me you've never been through a drought. We've all been through a season. We all go through a season. We have to go through to get to. The God of the process is the same God of the outcome. And there are people that want to jump from drought to rain without ever going to the fire. And we all have to go through the fire to get to the rain. What is the fire season? Yes, the fire makes you shout and dance, praise be the Lord. But it's not the primary objective. The fire of God makes you kneel down in repentance. The fire of God is a sanctifying fire. It is a purifying fire. It makes you uncomfortable. The fire of God is when he's taking things away from inside of you, attitudes, behaviors, mindsets. When, when, we, when he just pivots things inside of you, it's that sanctifying, purifying fire. And on many occasions, he will remove people from around you that would have held back the fulfillment of his purpose in your life. So I, if you've been through your drought, and you've been through your fire, I need you to put a smile on your face. It only means that you and your family are about to experience abundant rain. If it's you, if it's not you, you're good. But if it's you, open up your mouth and shout, here comes the rain. Tell your neighbor, here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. It is the rain of Ezekiel 34, 26 of Acts 3, 20. It is the refreshing rain. And by the way, those that prayed with you in the drought, Deserve to dance with you in the rain. Number three, it is the mantle of speaking truth with love. What does that mean? Here comes the prophet. He has his mantle. He has the moment. He's had enough. He's tired of seeing God's children deviate from that which God calls holy and righteous. So he has this clarion call, this convocation of Mount Carmel. It's a, it's a Netflix series. It's an episodic. It's amazing. He calls them in, the moment, bring the people. He looks at Ahab, God's children are there on top of the mount. And Elijah says, it's time for you to make up your mind. Who will you serve? Will you serve their God, Baal? Or will you serve the God of our fathers? First Kings 18, 21, read it. It says that God's people had to make a choice. And guess what they voted on? No, nothing. They refused to take sides. I'm going to drop the mic and sit down now for about five minutes. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. 
I'll repeat that for the hearing impaired. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. You are what you tolerate. In your life, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, in your atmosphere, in your home, in your marriage, with your children, in your children's children, in your generation, you are what you tolerate. Truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. And number five, you got to line up your eschatology or your missiology. What does that mean? Pastor Sam, you're preaching about revival and renewal and people coming to Jesus and light overcoming darkness and the prophetic being greater than the pathetic. Oh, that sounds great. But reality is things are going to get darker. Christ is coming. While we are waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. Truth. We must speak truth with love. I want to hear, listen carefully. Again, this will get me a little bit, not, not for the purpose of getting me in trouble, but it's truth talking. If all we do is teach and preach love, that doesn't happen in this church. If all we do is love exclusively, we're nothing more than California hippies. Someone's about to fall off a cliff and you're here and you see them and all you do is, I love you! It does nothing. If all we do is speak truth, we're mathematicians. The moment we speak truth in love, truth with love, and truth for love, we change the world. The truth about Jesus being the only way. John 14, 6. What does that mean? He is the only way. There are not five ways to heaven, four ways, three ways, two ways. There's only one way to be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of truth. It's that reality. The truth about God's design for the family and marriage. The truth about holy sexuality. The truth about every single subject matter laid out and undergirded by the word of God. Validated by both faith and science. The truth. Uh, I was called some years ago. Let me explain to you my background. I'm, I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania originally. Bethlehem, that's why I have a messianic complex. Um, one person from Bethlehem. You bless your heart. Um, so I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm a Penn State guy. Went to Lehigh University. I preach like Kirk, think like Spock. So I, I, I believe mathematics is God's language. I still do. Calculus, I'm a faith and science guy. It speaks to the reality. The universe and quantum physics really affirms our belief in a divine designer that, that is beautiful. You can't deny it. So God is real, ladies and gents. The mathematical probability of you having this conversation with me right now is just God is so legitimately real. I grew up with that inclination for mathematics and science. And then my parents... They, they're not pastors, but they obligated me to go to church. My mom gave me a choice, go to church or die. I made the right choice. Grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I attended an Assembly of God church. I'm about 12, 13 years old, going to that church. This guy named Bernie Gallo from Teen Challenge Ministry, Rehersburg, Pennsylvania, David Wilkerson's ministry. I'm an 80s kid. He comes into our church for the first time. He comes in here. Now, I'm obligated to go to church. I don't believe in any of it. People getting, like they fall on the carpet. Like, why are you falling on the carpet? <laughs> why? Why? And then people speaking in other languages, like not English, not Spanish, not, it's a different, this tongue stuff? Why? What is that? I would doubt all of that. All of a sudden, this guy comes in, and he goes, Holy Spirit, with a choir. Thou art welcome in this place, Holy Spirit. That 80s now. Mm. The Lord says, there's a, a young boy, young man named Sammy. 
hear me in this church. By the way, if you ever want to give a word in a Hispanic church, all you have to say is, God says there's a word for Jose or Maria. <laughs> all right, can you miss? No. Doesn't even have to be God. You're not going to miss. Right? But Sammy, not, you know, I'm, I'm the only Sammy in my church. Uh, so Sammy, my pastor says, Ahí está el muchacho. Which means what? Ahí está el muchacho. So they make me go up. I'm 12, 13 years old. I'm walking up in the middle aisle, which would traumatize Generation Z forever. That they would have triggers forevermore. I, I'd be coming up here, and I'm coming up, and I'm going, if this rapture stuff is for free, oh, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. So I'm coming up. I go right here. The guy looks at me and says, oh, Sammy, the Lord says, you look like a little boy, but you're, he sees you as a man. Everything I'm doing right now was laid out to me on that day. Again, from a mathematical perspective, the mathematical probability of what he laid out coming to fruition, not in some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy or Hawthorne effect, the fact that I never made a corner, he looks at me, says everything from the preaching to the ministry to the, all of that. There was a young lady in the audience right here seated who saw it. I was about 12 years old. She was right here a little bit older than I. She was seated and she saw it. She said, if it's true, I'm going to wait for that boy to grow up and marry him. That's my wife of 33 years. So if you're single and God gives somebody else a word, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, so he, this is the way he concludes it. He says, oh, a couple of hundred people, we had him on television, on TBN and Daystar recently, so you could watch the interview on YouTube. He, Bernie Gillow, he, he says, oh, wow, the Lord says, you, Sammy, will be praying for presidents of the United States of America. That's how I became an advisor for George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. I never made a call, never sent an email. I never walked around going like, God gave me a word, I have to be an advisor to the president. <laughs> no, because God's promises are yes and amen. Why am I telling you this? Whatever God has promised you and your family and your children and your children's children, when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. How many believe he will fulfill his purpose in our lives? Psalm 138 verse 8. I believe that for every for you and your family member. So that's how it, what, what, what does it have to do with speaking truth with love? Fast forward after advising George W. Bush, Barack Obama brought me in. Again, not that I, I don't have to vote for them in order to advise them. Some of you are already judging me. <laughs> Repent. So, so I do have a biblical rubric that I confine to. I will only vote for candidates that support the following rubric. And I will never sacrifice that because my integrity is much more important than my influence. So... So I'm, I'm, George W. Bush brings me in, and then after that, Barack Obama has me uh, participating in his inaugural prayer service at St. John's Episcopal Church. And so I'm, I'm here with Barack Obama in, in that service, and I participate, but it's a private ceremony, the one before the big stage, right? Myself, Rick Warren, Yolanda Adams, Charles Blake, T.D. Jakes. So we do that, right? So then years later, fast forward, right after the 2016 election, I get this call. I'm driving with my wife from San Francisco to Sacramento. We went to, uh, we're originally, my parents are from Puerto Rico. So we, we were eating mofongo in a restaurant. Mofongo is a great thing, by the way. It's, you, you crush the plantains, you put shrimp, you put garlic, lots of garlic. Very anointing. Just don't talk to someone. They will fall back. They will get slain. So... But anyway, so we're driving back home, we're San Francisco, Sacramento, it's after the 2016 election, and, and we're en route, and I get this call, unknown number on my Bluetooth. I usually don't pick it up because I know it's probably the IRS, so I ignore it. <laughs> so I ignore it because you don't, unknown number. Holy Spirit prompts me no joke and says, pick it up. 
So I pick up the call. I'm driving on, on Route 80 home to Sacramento. Boop. We're looking for Reverend Rodriguez. I really thought it was the IRS there, right? Or it could be my cousin Paco from the Bronx. We all have a cousin. No, we don't. Know your audience. Okay. So, so I, I validate it. This is what it. We're calling you from the Senate Inaugural Committee, the Presidential Transition Team. Reverend Rodriguez, yes, sir. The President-elect would like you to participate in his inauguration. So I'm looking at my wife. And I'm like, wow. What an, I mean, I'm, you know, we're driving, so I'm going like, I go, sir, I'm honored. Tell the president-elect that I am really blessed and honored. What would you like me to do? Participate, he says. I go, yes, wow, I really am honored. What would you like me to do? He says, participate. I'm trying to get a feel. Is it the private one, the public one? Wait. So I go, would you like me to pray? He says, yes. Would you like me to read scripture? He says, why not? As a good preacher and pastor, there was a third question I wanted to ask, but I didn't. Would you like me to raise the offering? <sighs> but I didn't. So finally, he got a hold of like, like why my questions. He went, Reverend Rodriguez, this is the one on the Capitol steps. Over one billion people will be watching around the world. What say ye? And I go like, well, listen, I went, I'm honored. This is what I said. I'm going to need some time to pray about this. Silence. He went, I'm sorry. You need time to pray about praying. It's a great theological conundrum, by the way. And so I went like, yes, sir. He went, awkward silence again. You saw the inflection shift. How much time do you need? And I'm looking for support here. My wife is no longer looking at me, which is both a sign and a wonder. And I'm going, three weeks? He went, you need three weeks to pray about praying. I go, yes, sir. He goes, all right. I guess we'll call you back in three weeks. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Boop. I look at my wife. She's no longer looking at me. I go, honey, please. She turns around. I go, she goes, what are you doing? I go, honey, call Pastor Carla, our intercessors. We have to pray. The reason is I pastor a church in California by the grace of God that is very diverse. It's 40% Caucasian, which is his code word for white. <laughs> Google it. Shoot. 40% um, African-American, which means black. And 20% Latino, Native Americans, and Asians. And we have a Spanish service in each of our campuses. It's a beautiful church. It looks like heaven. My mind said, if I do this, in light of the, the, you know, the whole nation being divided, even though I did it for President Obama, if I do this, I'm going to lose a portion of my church. So I was thinking layoffs, all of that. I really was. My wife looked at me and said, what are you doing? Now, she's from Puerto Rico, so she has a double anointing. So... And I went, pero que tú hablas, que tú estás hablando en este momento, porque estás preocupada con esto. Y she goes, pero que tú vas a hacer, yo estuve ahí, yo estuve ahí cuando esto pasó. Y yo le dije a ella, pero cómo que tú estuviste ahí. And she, y ella dijo, yo estuve allí, I was there. I go, what do you mean you were there? She goes, well, you don't need to pray. I go, why not? That's like sacrilegious. She goes, no, I was there. Where were you? I was there when you were a kid, when God said you would end up praying for president of the United States of America. She said, you don't need to pray to see it as God's will. You need to pray for God to fill you with the right words in your assignment on that day. It's about speaking truth with love. The mantle. So the day came. I'm, I'm about to go up there. The day came. And I'm, I'm, can you have that picture up there, please? Put the picture of the inauguration. So there's, there I am speaking over first Latino in American history, evangelical, first all of that. That's all God doing it. First person ever addicted to Starbucks. The point to you is right here. So 
there you have the Obamas, the Bidens, the Trumps here, the Clintons were here. I was seated and hiding behind the bushes. So I, 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 was, I, was, I was back there behind George W. Bush, and, and I'm here, I'm about to go up. This, and this has all been documented, been written about and all that. So I'm here, I'm about to go up, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm like this. I'm, I'm, I want to tell you, like, I, integrity is everything. I could tell you I had all the confidence. Oh, praise be the Lord, I felt so great. Dude, no! This was me. I was, when they called me up, I'm like this. It was bad. I was about to, like, I'm freaking out. This is like a billion people around the world. All the presidents are there. The Supreme Court is here wearing funny hats. It was weird. So I'm going up. My daughter texts me, Lauren, my youngest daughter. My kids never disrespected me. My youngest daughter texts me right there. Right there. This is the text. I'm about to go up now, mind you. Dad, shut your mouth. As a preacher, first thing I said was spiritual warfare. The devil shows up right before your greatest breakthrough. So I, I started rebuking. I go, devil, you're a liar. Rebuke you in the name of Jesus. No, you're not going to distract me. Why would my daughter disrespect me right before I go up? So I text her back. And I go, pardon me, exclamation point. And she writes back and says, no, dad, you're on Fox News. Your mouth is completely open. You are nodding off right now. You need to come. Close your mouth. So it seems I was falling asleep and the camera got me and I was... So she was telling me nicely though, but... 48 hours before, this is truth with love, the mantle. A reporter looks at me of a magazine whose name you recognize. I worked with this reporter before him on a number of things. Reporter looked at me and said, Sam, call me Sammy. Tell me you're not gonna do this. And I go like, you don't understand because you weren't there when I was a kid. I have no choice. This is in spite of Sammy. God ordained this to happen. This is his assignment upon me. So I have to do this. She went, you shouldn't. You're both on CNN and Fox. You wrote the book called The Lamb's Agenda. Both sides like you. You do this, you're going to alienate. I go, but I did it for the previous guy. They went like, yeah, 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 that already happened. But you can't do this. I go like, I'm going to do it. She went, she went, she went, all right. If you're going to do this, Please promise me you're not going to mention the name. I go, what? Sammy, you do know the name hasn't been mentioned for 12 years. I go, what? The last person to mention the name was Billy Graham in 2004. I go, what do you mean after the 2004 election? What do you mean? She goes, there's, a, there's an unwritten rule after, after Graham that people would not mention the name, that if you're gonna pray, conclude the prayer in the name of love, hope, faith, if you have to, say God. But don't mention the name. And I looked at her and went like, 12 years? She went, 12 years. Are you gonna, tell me you're not gonna break it. You're not gonna break it. Tell me you're not gonna mention the name. And I went, watch. So it was my turn and I'm walking up. I get here, and so help me, you can watch it on YouTube, the Holy Spirit hit me. A kid from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania that does not deserve to be there. Only there by the grace of God. Only there because my mama said there's a God in heaven who has a purpose for your life. Who spoke into me, who spoke into me constantly and said, God has a purpose for your life. I was there, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God alone. 
And I get there and I read from Matthew 5, the presidents were here. All of a sudden, I conclude from Matthew 5, and I conclude, I'm about to walk away, and the Holy Spirit says, do it. Do it, Sammy, do it. The mantle fell upon me, so help me. No more nervousness. I wasn't shaking. With holy authority, I looked at the camera, knowing very well that right there in 2017, January, all around the world, people were streaming on the major television networks of Europe and Asia, the Middle East, nations, all around the world were streaming live. So I looked at the cameras and I said, I'm about to walk. God says, do it. And I said, respectfully, I make this prayerful declaration in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, y'all got to YouTube this. The president shouted, amen. Look it up. The president said, amen. The members of Congress started going, amen. The audience started going, amen. Everywhere they were saying, it's a Jesus fest. It's a Jesus fest. They mentioned Jesus. There are nations that heard the name of Jesus mentioned for the very first time. I got texts from all over the world. You said Jesus, we heard Jesus. Why did the world react like that? Why did the world? You should have seen the reporters, the, the, the newspaper articles. Oh, it became a Jesus freak festival. Jesus was the highlight of the, and they were doing it in a critical way. Jesus was the highlight. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Why did everybody respond like that? Believe it or not. Hey, listen, Louisiana. There is still power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of I said there is power in the name of There is salvation in the name of Jesus There is deliverance in the name of Jesus There is healing in the name of Jesus There is breakthrough in the name of Jesus If you believe it, lift up your hands There are generational blessings Multi-generational blessings in the name of Jesus. Your family will be saved in Jesus' name. Acts 16, 31. You go from glory to glory in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. You are blessed and highly favored, anointed and appointed in the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 30, with your hands lifted high. That name is the name above every other name. It is the name to whom which every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. No other name given unto man through by which salvation has come unto all mankind but the name of Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and there they are saved. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Nothing is more powerful. I'm going to say it. There's no AI. There's no artificial intelligence. There's no technology. Nothing is more powerful than the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody praise like you believe it and give God glory. Stand with me. You are standing. There's power in that name. Our job is to exalt that name, elevate that name, proclaim that name. Oh, there's power in that name. I sense the Lord. We're about to see this nation and the nations filled with the glory of the risen Christ. We are about to see that name lifted high. There's power in that name. The mantle of the Spirit. The mantle of drought, fire, and rain. The mantle of speaking truth with love. 
The mantle of when heaven starts at hell cannot stop it. Elijah had his moment, just like I had my moment. Elijah had his apex moment, Mount Carmel. I had my moment, not to be compared to Elijah, but on the, on the steps of the Capitol, where I was told not to, but I did lift up the name of Jesus. So we all have these moments. We all have these moments. Will we be silent? Again, this is what happened. Jezebel finds out what took place. And her tweet, in 24 hours, you will die. 24 hours, you will die. In 24 hours, you will die. I have a question for you. What would be your expectation of the prophet Elijah? He prayed for a drought, and it took place. He prayed for fire, and fire came down. He prayed for rain, and it rained. So he gets a tweet from, from Jezebel, right? What would you expect him to do? He got a message from Jezebel. What would you expect him to do? Every time Elijah prays, what happens? God answers. So he gets this message from Jezebel. What would you expect him to do? Pray. Every time I pray, God answers. But no, he freaks out. He suffers fear, anxiety, and depression. He leaves the ministry. Go ahead, read it. He literally tells God, Jesus, I'm out. Ends up under a broom tree. God has to feed him. Ends up on the side of a mountain where God literally asks verbatim, quote, Elijah, what are you doing here? When God asks what you're doing there, you're probably lost. Why? Because there is a battle. The battle is between your mind and your mantle. The battle is between your mind and your mantle. The number one battle is not between Republicans and Democrats, donkeys and elephants. It's between the serpent and the lamb. It's between your mind and your mantle. The number one battle is between the thoughts that run through your head and the calling of God upon your life. The real battle is between your memories and your imagination. Between fear and faith, trauma and testimony, drama and destiny. But how many here know the battle has already been won? Come on, how many know the battle has already been won? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Christ is my victory. Romans 8, 37. We are more than... You have that victory. So this is what... 24 hours passed. 24 hours, you're going to die. 24 hours passed. Elijah did not die. 48 hours passed. 72 hours passed. A week passed. Elijah did not die. What if I tell you a month passed? Elijah did not die. A year passed, Elijah did not die. Ten years passed, Elijah did not die. Jezebel said, I swear by my gods, in 24 hours you're going to be dead. A hundred years passed. What? Elijah did not die. What if I tell you a thousand years passed? What are you talking about, Willis? A thousand years passed. Guess who did not die? Elijah did not die. It's been approximately 2,800 years since Jezebel said, you're going to die. And guess who has yet to die? The Bible says Elijah and Elisha were walking together. 2 Kings 2.11 When a chariot of fire showed up and separated them. And then a whirlwind took him up. Ha ha! He never died! He never died! He never died! He never died! What does that mean for you? Why am I sharing this with you? It doesn't matter what hell has declared upon you upon your family, upon your marriage, your children, 
when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. Can anybody here come in agreement with me? Whatever hell has declared, the opposite will take place. Y'all missed that. Whatever hell has declared upon you, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, your children, your children's children, even your generation, the opposite will take place. If you come in agreement, lift up your hands. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he who called you is faithful to do it. Hebrews 10.23, he is faithful to keep his promise. Uh, Luke 137, the word of God never fails. <laughs> the opposite will take place. Why? 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 Because when your integrity is more important than your influence, nothing can stop you. When you are driven by anointing rather than ambition, nothing can stop you. When your hunger for righteousness is greater than your fear of criticism, nothing can stop you. And when your praise is louder than your pain, let me say that one more time. When your praise speaks louder than your pain, come on, Bethany. When your praise speaks louder than your pain, nothing can stop you. Somebody praise like there's a mantle on you and your family and your children and your children's children. Pastor, come up here. If you got this word, lift up one hand. If you receive the mantle of the Spirit, the mantle of drought, fire, and rain, the mantle of speaking truth with love in the name of Jesus, the mantle of when heaven starts and hell cannot stop it, raise both hands. <laughs> As I pass it on to Pastor, I have one final biblically substantiated query for you. I sense the Lord here. Elijah's spiritual son was Elisha. Is there anything in the Bible that says that Elisha inherited Elijah's depression? What about his fear? What about his anxiety attacks? What does the Bible say Elisha inherited from Elijah? Anybody know? The mantle? Great news. Your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will not inherit your sins. Our children will not inherit our anxiety, our fear, our depression, our trauma, or our drama. Our children and our children's children will inherit the mantle of anointing of God or made purpose. Father, in the name of Jesus, Activate these mantles upon each and every person here. The mantle now is through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. I pray that every single person here will rise up as an Elijah and Elisha. With this mantle, in the midst of this broken world, we're not fighting people. We're fighting principalities and powers of darkness, Ephesians 6. But we have the power to overcome Luke 10, 19 in the finished work of Christ. So today, we release these mantles upon each and every person by the authority of heaven. May the strength of the Father, the grace of the Son, the anointing of the Holy Spirit make this season 
the season of the mantle upon you and your family. Hey, Bethany, Bethany, let's do one thing together in the name of Jesus. Like never before, are you ready? Let's go change the world. God bless you and God keep you.